presence let's just bow our heads tonight Heavenly Father we're just sensing that you're here your sweet gentle presence is here we've sung songs Lord that we've desired to make you welcome and Father as we come to you tonight standing where we stand in this time in history and Lord in the very fulfillment of prophecy. Lord, while we're standing here, we're asking that we could now spend this time, learn at your feet, sit at your feet. And we're asking, Father, that you would just close the doors and shut us in, Lord, into your presence. Father, wherever we're gathered tonight, those that are gathered at home, those that are listening in, those that are here, Lord, may you just come. May the Holy Spirit be enshrouded around us. Father, we want to commit the service in your hands. Thank you for your presence. Lord, if there's anything we said or did that where we come short, may you look through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we're your children. We desire to hear from you. We commit ourselves to you for service now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. That's all the singing we'll do tonight. We'll go directly to the Word. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, if you will. You're welcome to the service. We're here just at the closing days of fall, and who knows what's ahead. But we're here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be gathered together. It's good to be under the banner of the message and the voice of God where God is dealing today. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start the reading in verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand 
and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? So Isaiah is asking a question. Who could do these things? There's only one. He asks another question. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him. There's only one. With whom does he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Again, it's only him. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And I wanted to just jump down. Let's just jump down to verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. Also, we'll just read over in Daniel chapter 2. Well, Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. We read this on Sunday. Daniel is, uh, just had the vision interpreted to him, and Daniel answers uh, blesses God and says this in verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and He sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things he knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. God bless his word. You may have your seats. All the kingdoms of the earth that we know on the earth today, when the devil came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he said, if you'd bow and worship me, he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. So who rules over all the kingdoms of the earth today? Well, we could say the devil does, but it's God that pulls the strings. It's God that rules over everything. It's God that does everything. He allows the devil to do certain things. He allows them, but it's all in the plan of God. And I think it's important that we recognize and see ourselves not as under the oppression of the world and the systems and the governments around us, but we see it in light of what God is. And so it's important to see that. I'm moving right into a thought here, and I'm not going to be very long because I want to get to a couple of things. Revelation 13. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And we know chapter 13 refers to the United States in prophecy, refers to number 13 being that of a woman. So it says here in verse 1, And I saw, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, 
and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now this is talking about pagan Rome. And who gave pagan Rome their authority? It, it was the dragon. It was Satan. And yet this is the very same one that Daniel saw in the vision. Daniel says this in, chapter, in verse 3, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and the deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now that was not the pagan beast, because when he was wounded and he was healed, it went from a pagan beast to a papal beast. And that's the one that all the world wonders after. Now, you can read this whole thing, and I could take time with this, and I could bring it all, but I'm just rehearsing a few things. Verse 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So this other beast that was coming out of the horns, had two, out of the earth, had two horns like a lamb. This is the United States. So it was like a lamb. But there would come a time where it would speak as a dragon. Verse 12, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. So the first beast was the power that was given to Rome. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. And he caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So this nation that rose under freedom would change from the guise of a lamb to speak like a dragon. We'll just read in verse 14. And he deceived them that dwelt on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, and saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. Now, the, there was going to be an image that was made unto the beast. Now, I'll just say it. It's the World Council of Churches. That's what that is. And he says in verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that he should both speak and cause them as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, we are living right in this hour. Now, I'm going to just move right along. I want to play a clip. In November 4th of this year, in the U.S. election, there are two candidates for president. The first candidate is a Democrat, Joe Biden, if he's elected. He will become the second president in United States history the second one since John F. Kennedy, to be a Catholic elected to the White House. So I want to play this clip. If you can play that clip for me, Sister Ruth. Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic frontrunner for the 2020 election, touting himself as a Catholic in a recent campaign video. For me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to Mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. But many of his hallmark views are at odds with church teaching. 
given his statements on abortion. I support Roe. I support a woman's right to choose under that constitutional guaranteed provision. His legacy of being the first vice president to support gay marriage? Well, I think, I think the country's evolving, and I think there's an inevitability um, for a, a national consensus on, uh, on, on, on gay marriage. That, that is my view. And officiating a so-called gay wedding during his vice presidency. Despite these statements, Pew Research Center found a majority of American Catholics, almost 60%, say they view Biden as either very or somewhat religious. The Guardian newspaper claims his strategy is attempting to garner the vote of old Kennedy Democrats President Trump won in 2016, especially in crucial Midwestern battleground states by stressing his support for labor unions and immigration reform, casting himself as a pious champion of the working class. The battleground states where Biden will no doubt be stampeding through this coming fall are home to a disproportionate number of Catholic voters. Voters Biden hopes to convince he's just one of them. Joseph Enders, Church Militant, Detroit. Have hope because I'm coming and you're not going anywhere. So that is the first candidate. And you can say we're, we're not predicting anything. But on the other hand, there's another candidate who is Donald Trump. While he's called a Christian, he is also sympathetic to the Jews, but he also speaks openly to the Catholics. This is now just one month ago at a prayer breakfast where he is speaking to the Catholics. From the very beginning of our republic, Catholics have uplifted and enriched our nation beyond measure. Catholics like Charles Carroll helped secure American independence. Women like St. Elizabeth Ann Seton founded a movement that created thousands of schools and lifted children out of poverty. And the great Al Smith, the original happy warrior, that's what he was. He was a happy warrior. I know it well. I consider myself to be a happy warrior, but it's not so easy in these times. But he was a happy warrior of American politics. He spent his life fighting for hardworking Americans and battling the anti-Catholic prejudice that you see even today coming out of the Democrat Party. In this country, civil society, and especially our religious institutions, are an essential foundation of American freedom. Our nation is strong because of Catholics and, frankly, people of all faiths. That is why, as president, one of my top priorities is to defend religious liberty and the cherished role of faith and faith-based organizations in our national life. To protect your God-given rights, I was recently honored to nominate one of our most brilliant legal minds, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, to the United States Supreme Court. And that was an honor indeed. We will not stand for any attacks against Judge Barrett's faith. Anti-Catholic bigotry has absolutely no place in the United States of America. It predominates in the Democrat Party, and we must do something immediately about it, like a Republican win. And let's make it a really big one. To support the noble mission of Catholic schools, my administration is working to advance school choice. It was my great honor to help the Catholic Church with its schools. They needed hundreds of millions of dollars nationwide and I got it for him. Nobody else. I got it for him. I hope you remember that on November 3rd, but I got it for him. And it was an honor to do it. I did it at the request of Cardinal Dolan and others of your leaders. They really needed it. 
We took care of that situation. Very important. We are once again standing with Catholic charities and healthcare providers such as the Little Sisters of the Poor. We've been with them all the way in this long fight. We are fighting for Catholic adoption agencies and fighting hard. And we are defending the sacred right to life. Remember that when you vote. That's so important and so important to the Supreme Court. Every child, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. Few institutions in history have done more for New York, more for America, or more for people of the world than the Catholic Church. Now more than ever, our nation needs a renewal of the values that this organization promotes and that the Catholic faithful live out each and every day in peace. We love the Catholic people. We love the Catholic religion. And above all, we respect it greatly. As president, I will always support you in your effort to serve our fellow citizens and to lift up all humanity. I will protect the Catholic Church, and I will defend the rights of religious believers of every race, religion, color, and creed. God bless you, God bless New York, and God bless America. So we can say that whatever way it goes in a few weeks from now, it's all leaning one way. The last couple of days, the Supreme Court lost one of the women judges. She was a Jewish woman. President Trump nominated another one. She's a Catholic. That means that the Catholic Supreme Court uh, will have now all Catholics except for one Jew. And they will protect and uphold the law. You see the way everything is going. I want to just share one thing, and, and I'm going to summarize it with a quote that Brother Branham had in the Church Age book. And he talks about the seventh vision, the seven visions that he had in 1933. And he says, In the sixth vision there rose up in America a most beautiful but cruel woman. I believe that the people, I, I, she held the people in her complete power. I believe that was the rise of the Roman Catholic Church. Though I knew it could possibly be a, vo a vision of some woman rising in great power in America due to a popular vote by women. Now, Brother Branham would actually say he didn't know if it was a woman when he first prophesied it could be the Catholic Church, but it was a woman's system. I want to tonight, and you've, you've seen what's in the news, you've seen, and I feel it, it just prudent sometimes to just go back to the voice of the prophet and to prepare us for the time that we're living. Because faith comes by hearing. When Jesus spoke to the disciples at that time, he spoke to them and he said that how Rome would come and it was fulfilled when Titus came into Rome. But he said those that heard Jesus, none of them were there. And I think we also need to recognize we've got one voice that is the voice of God. One voice through a prophet that's God's eye, that's God's mouthpiece, that's the eternal thoughts of God that have been made known to us. Doesn't matter when it was spoken, it was spoken to this generation, to us, and we're seeing it fulfilled. I want to play tonight from the tape, Jezebel Religion, and I think it's important that we hear it. So I'm going to ask you just to be attentive. We're going to listen for just a little under an hour. Stay with me. Stay with the tape, rather. I think it's important that we listen to this. Thank you.
man with a staff in his hand, his steps study, eyes gleaming with the glory of God, his beard blowing on the side, an old hairy piece of sheepskin wrapped around him. He's making his steps just as sturdy as he walked down the road to Samaria. He wasn't very much to look at, but he had thus saith the Lord for that great nation of Israel. Yeah, Elijah the Tishbite, a prophet of the Lord. He wasn't much to look at, but he had the word of the Lord. He wasn't afraid to stand before the king, for he had been in the presence of greater than a king. He had been in the presence of Jehovah. Therefore, he knew where he was standing. And when he walked before the king, he didn't stutter and stammer. He knew what he was talking about. He could say to the king, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There will be no rain or no dew until I call for it. Why did he say that? Until I call for it, according to my word, because he had the word of the Lord. He was a prophet. And the prophet has the word of the Lord. It's a striking thing to see the parallel between Israel of the Old Testament and America now. Both of them are great nations. Both of them had been founded and their people had come there because of religious persecutions. Israel had been persecuted by Pharaoh and had been in bondage for hundreds of years where they were deprived of worshiping the true and living God and had been deprived of that privilege and had become slaves. But God had made them a promise in his Bible or in his word by his prophets that he'd give them a land. And they'd come into this land and drove back the occupants of that land and had possessed their inheritance. For God had a purpose of doing that. And so is this great nation of ours. We come here and on Plymouth Rock, this nation was founded on freedom of religion because our forefathers had fled Roman persecution of the modern Jezebel system and had come up and stood many great persecutions and martyrdom under that false system of Jezebel. And according to the Bible of Revelation, the 13th chapter, God had promised them an oasis and a place for the woman was carried into the wilderness where she was fed for a time, time, and a dividing time. 
God had made the promise to America or to the church, to the woman, to come into this country. Did you notice Revelation 13? All the other beasts that come up out of the sea, waters. Revelation 17, 17 said, The waters which thou sawest is thickness and multitudes of people. All the other beasts that come up out of water, thickness and multitudes of people, but when the United States come up, it come up out of the earth where there was no people. And remember when it come up, it looked like a little lamb. Now a lamb has two horns, and that's civil and ecclesiastical powers, but when they united, remember then that lamb spoke like the dragon did before him, and the dragon was Rome. When the dragon stood before the woman to devour her child as soon as it was born, the red dragon. Who stood before the woman Israel to devour the child as soon as it was born and sent out of persecution, killed all the children from two years old down? Rome, the dragon, stood at the woman to devour her child as soon as it was born. And then we find that this country came up as a free country and was had a lamb, which means the lamb of God. But after a while, this same system that we have spoke like the dragon and exercised all the power the dragon had before him. They parallel one to the other perfectly. And remember, when these Israel came up and took her homeland in Palestine, drove back all the occupants of that land and possessed the land, we came in and took it from the Indians, drove them back and possessed the land. God had a reason for that. God was going to show the world what he could do with a, a little band of people that wanted freedom and freedom of religion to serve God. What did they do for Israel? He made Israel the most mightiest nation in the world. And she stayed that way until she got out of the will of God. What did he do with America? He made her the mightiest nation in the world until she's getting out of the will of God. Parallel one to another exactly. When Israel came over in the land, they were a, a great people because they had great leadership. They had God-fearing man over them, such as David, King Solomon. All the world feared them, and they enjoyed that of no wars, no troubles, and living under the power of God until people from all over the known world come to see him. God gave him a gift of discernment. Is up on Solomon and the queen of the south from queen of Sheba came all the way across the Sahara Desert taking her three months just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when she saw that Solomon could discern spirit and made known to her the secrets in her heart, 
She said, all I heard about you was right and more besides. She was convinced that that was God. An American, upon the basis of our forefathers who came here for religious freedom, we had godly men in them days as leaders. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, man of renowned character, man of God. America was America in those days. George Washington here at Valley Forge, before he crossed the Delaware, praying all night until he was wet, come to his waist, kneeling in snow. And the next morning when the Americans started across, there's only about 20% of them had shoes to wear. The American army. But they had a principle. They had something that they had to fight for. They didn't care what comer went. The farmers come in, stopped his plow and took out his oxen, got his rifle and went to fight for what he knew was freedom. The next day, I believe it was four or five bullet holes, musket bullets went through his coat and hat and never touched him. Man of God founded this nation, great man. No wonder they wrote, long may our lands be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God our King. Some time ago, I talked to an old man down at Cardin, Indiana. He told me about when the capital was in Cardin and how he said how he went in the ox cart down to here. The governor speaking, he and the governor's only two had had two pieces of suit on, said that he raised the sheep and sheared them, washed them, and his sister spun it and made him a coat to go with his trousers. The old fellow sitting there then, about 85 or 90 years old, Pulled his beard like that and he said, Billy, that's when America was America. I looked at the old fellow and I thought, boy, you, a lot of these young ones wouldn't believe it, but you're telling the truth. What happened to Israel after all this godly background? They began to get carefree. They began to get to a place where they... Well, they didn't care what went on. They began to go get slack in their worship to God. Although they held a form of religion, just like we have. They had a form of godliness, but they began to get free with their people. And, and they began to bring in different heresies in their church. The worship of Balaam began to creep in. Israel become pleasure man, drunk. And such things as that and finally brought in a leader who didn't know God, Ahab, who succeeded his father and his father was an ungodly man. Rich man, but an ungodly man. sins more than anyone before him ever done. 
But Israel, in their drunken stupor, they put a man in like that and put him on the throne to be a ruler over them. They thought it was all right, just like a lot of Americans do today. He's a good politician, so what difference does it make? It won't make any difference because he's a good politician. A lot of Americans, too many of them, has sold out their birthright as an American. And say, what difference does it make as long as you can get a few extra dollars from the government and live they sold out to the belly and to the lust and crave of a sinful world and forgot the very thing that we landed on Plymouth Rock for. They forgot our heritage. And when it sold out to the pleasure-mad crowds, as it was in the days of Israel, so has it been. America's took that same road, right down the same path. After a while, the government endorsed sin. Just as long as you had a synagogue, what difference did it make? That's exactly what America done. And we began to organize ourselves together and make little groups and more sinful, more sinful, more sinful. We just stayed with the real principles that we landed here for. Sin began to creep into the churches just like it did then. Women began cutting off their hair, wearing immoral clothes, cutting them off each year, and men began doing this, that, and the other, playing cards and making bunco games in the church, and just as worldly as they was, pleasure man, drunken stupors, ministers graduating from the seminary and the bishop saying, preach boys, whatever you wish to. As far as I am concerned, the blood of Jesus Christ died up 1,900 years ago. Until the church got to nothing but an organization, like a lodge. May you never forget this afternoon. Become like a lodge. World begin to creep in. Ministers begin to compromise, just like they did in the days of Ahab. Sinful. Rotten to the core. And on and on it went. Just as hard as it could go. Although God sent him prophet after prophet. And with tender mercies he begged to the people. And they turned their back on it. They wanted their way. They were Israelites. They were free. They were a great nation. Their forefathers did so and so. David and Solomon. They could do what they wanted to. Just the same thing that we based ourselves on. Exactly. What Washington, our forefathers, and what they stood for. But brother, we are a million miles from those things. Our churches are a million miles. The old the Methodist church today to what the Methodist church used to be. What the Pentecostal is today and what it used to be. What the Baptist is today to what it used to be. 
We had time to go back and talk of John Smith and many of those early reformers. John Smith said before he died, said, the horrible thing is that the Methodist women are beginning to wear gold rings on their fingers. Methodist. What would he say today to see with their hair cut off and paint all over their face wearing shorts? It's because of sin. What's God done in America? Sent revival after revival, revival after revival. Ministers has preached the word, tried to call people back to God. And what did they do? The same thing Israel done, spurned it. Made fun of them. Call them holy rollers. Throw them in jail. If one of my sisters and one of my brothers out of this church today would have stood in that hotel last night and raised up their hands and praised God and shot into that room, they'd be in jail today over But a drunken, stupid bunch of idiotic, unholy rollers can stand up there and scream all night and drunk and cuss and grab their clothes off their women and carry on and fall on the floor and scream all night long and even they can't say a word about it. Oh, wonder we are doomed under the hand of God. Notice, on and on, God sent ministers, performed signs and wonders, proving his word. And the most of the thing, a lot of modernistic clergymen turned it down and made fun of every revival. Such as so-called Church of Christ and them days of miracles is past, trying their best to shut it off from that little remnant of God. As it was in Israel, so is it today. Many times God has to take his people out of them organizations and denominations, take them out in the wilderness alone to talk to them. He's going to have a remnant, don't you worry about that. He did then, you will now. On and on they went through sin, wading through things, while their leadership, there's nothing to stop it. Well, honest, I know many nations that if they'd catch the people on the street dressed like we do here in America, they'd put them in jail. When I went to San Angelo in Rome, now think of it as low as that is, they had a sign up there by San Angelo Catacomb to the American women, please put on clothes and honor the dead. If there's anything that makes you sick, it's to see a bunch of so-called Americans coming in. I was sitting down at Luzon. We were enjoying some steak one day, Brother Arden right now. Next day we went back because it's good eating. I could get some water there. They wouldn't serve nothing but wine. I get water. I had to pack me a jug of water under my own arm all the time because they wouldn't serve you water at the table. Then I went in there and everything was good. To Miss America come in with a little dirty, snotty nose poodle dog with enough 10 cent store jewel on like that and a cigarette way out the end like this. Sat down there putting on something that she wasn't and set that poodle dog on the table. Dirty, filthy thing. It's, a dog is the worst thing that God speaks of. Even the tithe off of them can't even be paid in the house of God. It's like the whole a pile of horror, the Bible says. And yet, there you are. 
They'll practice birth control and pay a thousand dollars early for a little old dog and lead it around and give it a child's love so she can run out all night long. And a practice birth control. What's waiting but chaos? You may never hear my voice again. But I want you to remember this. We're at the end. There we find what taking place. What did? Finally, the great hour come. Ahab was elected. And when he did, he married Jezebel. Watch ungodly things happen in the churches and finally they'll come. 
of persecution. The Bible says so. Thus saith the Lord. Certainly there will be. Then what's going to happen? Just like it did then. So will it be now. She was the power behind it. She was the one who controlled it. Read the, um, I believe it's the seven, about seventeenth or eighteenth chapter along in there. You'll find what Jezebel did. How she took Ahab, and he couldn't say nothing about it because it was his wife. Look what the nation was built upon then. A backslidden Israelite with a pagan wife behind him who was a worshiper of Balaam. And what did she do? She finally made everything so modernistic and so nice, and the people had it so easy until the whole church fell for it, preachers and all. Did Elijah say, Lord, I'm the only ones left? And as it was then, it parallels today. All of us afraid to say anything. Is it just like the same thing today? They were afraid to say something. So we find out they were just loose, haphazard, drunk, carrying on, pleasure mad, everything else, just as it is today. Jezebel twisting those scriptures. What does she, or them laws is, is Jezebel will twist? Remember, Jezebel, she calls herself a prophetess to subdue the people. And she says that she is the only voice of God on the earth. She'll make the carnal mind believe that as sure as the world. There'll come a worship of a woman in the United States, and they'll be married. I've seen it in 1931. Seven things happened. I got it right on paper here with me. Wrote it in 1931. How that, I said this president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he will cause all the world, help do it, send the world to war. Hadn't come to war yet. During time of the Depression. I said another thing. And my mother, a square-backed Democrat, she didn't look at me hard when I said that. I said, I don't care if he's a Republican or if he was a socialist or whatever he is. This is thus saith the law. And I said, doing this, they're permitting women to vote. And when they do that, they've done one of the greatest disgraces this nation ever done. And I said, someday they'll pay for it. And they did at this last election. That's what elected women. And you precious colored people. In the South, how you voted. You say, you got a business saying that in pulpit. Oh, yes, I have. It's the Word of God. And the stain of, of Abraham Lincoln, the one that freed you, laying yonder in that museum on a woman's dress, and you sell your birthright. Hmm. You people for politics, because you're just a good Democrat. Voted for something like that and sold your birthrights of Americanism and Christianity to give it over to the prostitute that brought us in this nation, what made us what we were. Hmm. See how she's been creeping in real easy? Until now, she's on the throne. Sure. The White House throne. Watch already. Did you see the other day about Catholic schools and Protestant schools? Support the Catholic school, but not the Protestant school. Oh, brother. You watch for a wave of stuff coming forth now. Notice, and as they did it, look what's taking place. 
All this sin heaping in got to a place and got the nation in that kind of a staggering place. A few years ago, when they had the Pentecostals first broke out, it saved the nation a few years ago when Al Smith was going to run. America know better then. But Pentecost got so worldly, it went right on in and sold their rights as a Christian to politics. And it's politics ahead of the Bible. Oh, my. I'll just a minute and watch how this comes down. Now we find out what they did and the things they did. We see it paralleling here just exactly. Sin on every hand. Jezebel come in, she bewitched all the people and notice. Finally, she began to build big shrines to Balaam. Is that right? And the Balaam priests flocked from everywhere to get into that place and begin to contaminate the lands with Balaam worship. Look how they've done. Look how they've weeded in. Just the things they've done. Look where they're at today. Look at Catholicism. Swarm up, swarm up, swarm up. Marrying into it, breaking this exactly what Daniel said to do. Iron and clay wouldn't mix, but mingling their seeds one with another. Breaking. Every Protestant girl marries Catholic boy has to raise her children Catholic. All like that, marrying in a meeting. Like that, until it's come to a place where the whole United States is all wormed over. What are we going to do as missionaries? Going out here to liberate in South America and all over the part of the world. Tommy Osborne and them trying to get the people out of that paganism and they can point their finger right back that we elected our leader. The same thing. What's, what's going to happen to this world? It should shake every person in here. How are we going to answer? What's a missionary going to say? When they say you come here to deliberate us from us, your own people put the same thing in your office there on the throne. How are we going to look back in pages of history, turn back and see if it's absolutely almost unconstitutional for it to be. They wouldn't do it years ago, but see, we've sold out our Christian rights to politics, and that's how the devil weaved himself in. Ahab was nothing but a figurehead for Jezebel. That's all this will be. Just a figurehead. He won't do it himself, but that system behind him will drive him to it. Exactly right. Pinch your conscience, you Christians. Wake yourself up. It's later than you think. The condition that we're in, condition that they were in, and how they let themselves get loose, how the great loving heart of God must have cried out and weeping as he's seen his missionary people. Made them an example of all the nations coming everywhere because God had blessed them, seen them in unity, spiritually serving God. And then to think that he, he longed to see them come back to their first love and do what was right. But continually they went away and away and away to finally Jezebel come in. That's exactly what we done. Drifted from the principles of Christ. What up? God sent his ministers across the nation, they preach holiness, pilgrim holiness, Nazarenes, Pentecostals, get back to God, get back to God, and the real old time established churches just laughed and made fun. A lot of them modernistic believers, why they condemned everything that that man done and said it was of the devil. What did it do? And the church began to listen to them, the majority. 
begin to listen. First thing you know, if the Catholic woman could wear these kind of things, the Protestant could do. If the Catholic Church could do this, the Protestant could do. Then if the Methodist could, what about the Baptists? Then if the Baptists could, what about the Pentecostals? See, that's what man-made systems bring you into. Because God's word is against them. Man-made systems. God's against it. His word's against it. His prophets will be against it. His true servants will be against it. All that's born to the Spirit of God will be against it. Look how Israel got, how they floated with the tide, till finally Jezebel come. Look how America got and floated with the whirly tide until finally Jezebel took the throne. That's right. Now Jezebel actually wasn't on the throne of Egypt or throne of Israel, but she was the main head behind the throne. And the Catholic hierarchy is not on the throne of the United States, but she's the system behind it because he's married to her. And the Bible said in this country they make an image likened unto the beast. Brother, sister, what's the matter with it? Well, I, I don't know what it is. The Bible said to get this lady of sin and age, and that's where we're at. You might hate me now, but one day you won't when you find out what's true. You may disagree and get up and stomp out of the building. That just shows your literacy. But someday you'll realize. Someday you'll long and know that it's the truth. I speak it in the name of the Lord. Put myself up for a target. Which finally will drive me to the grave. I'm going to be a witness till I die. God will help me. That's right. Here we are. In this condition we are today. All of it going on like that. In Israel. How Ahab did. A figurehead for Jezebel. Because he, he was married to her. America. Our leader. How did our, you know our leader was a rich man? How many know that? A multi-millionaire? Somebody told me in a magazine or some radio or television or something, Jack Benny or somebody, who made a Ernie Ford, I believe it was somebody, said that his father helped him get two states that he didn't own. <laughs> Just about owns the rest of it. How did he get it? How did that money come? Through the whiskey traffic and liquor. That's the reason he dropped the taxes on whiskey and stuff. That's what made him a rich man. The very thing that damned our nation. The very thing that corrupted the minds of our people. The thing that sent our boys to be drunkards and our girls to be prostitutes. The money off of that made him a rich man. The same thing that old Jezebel system. The same thing that persecuted our people. The same thing that drug them out in Romanism and burned them and pulled them apart and done everything to them. The same blood of the martyrs, the Bible said, is in her. There they are married together. And we Americans stagger right on. Oh, well, we got a few extra dollars and we're having a good time, better off than all the rest of the nations, but brother, you just wait a minute. Let's take it letter by letter now for the next few minutes. See what happened. The preachers got right along as nothing down with them, went right on with them, all the system. The whole Israelite system went right on with Jezebel. They had a farm, yes. And don't the Bible tell us that in this last days we'll have a farm of godliness? 
fulfilled, brother. We're at the end. Nationally, we're at the end. Spiritually, we are at the end. Every system is at its end. The next thing is the coming of the Lord and the translation of the church. God sent every sign, wonder, done everything he could do, trying to call people, and constantly they move right on in. Look at this town here. Look at this country around here. With tens of hundreds and hundreds of Pentecostal people. And because of standing on truth, where they at this afternoon? Because someone told them not to cooperate with the meeting. You poor, deliberate. God be merciful to you is the only thing I can say. When you Christians got no more backbone than that, you got a wishbone instead of a backbone. Right. What we need is preach the gospel with teeth in it. That'll chop the thing to pieces. Went just like the rest of them. And then you wonder why we holler about it. Then you see you get the cold shoulder. I expect it. I have to. All this went on in Israel. Finally, one day comes stomping out of the wilderness. Come on, old hairy-looking fella. Elijah the Tishbite. He never come up out of any of the organizations. He come out of the wilderness. He had nothing to do with him. He was a prophet of the Lord. Brother, he shot that Jezebel kingdom for everything within him. They hated him. He had no cooperation, I don't guarantee you that. The Bible says not. Certainly, he made them painted face Jezebels burn up, I imagine. He laid the axe to the root of the tree like John did. The chips fall wherever they wish to, but he laid her in there. He shut the nation. Showing that they were wrong and trying to call them back to a true living God. Instead of a Jezebel worship. What did they do to the receiving? They hated him. But his word went forth just the same because he had thus saith the Lord. God worked with him and showed he was anointed prophet by the things that he said coming to pass. And all that he did prove that he was God's prophet. But yet they would not believe it because he tore up their playhouses. He told them that they were wrong. Ahab was a roustabout. True. And you notice, they didn't believe him. But he preached it just the same. Now the preachers agreed with him. He said, I'm the only ones left, Lord. Look at them. They won't even want nobody to cooperate. But he had a mission to do. And he did it. He had the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And he attacked the nation. He attacked the church. He attacked everything there was. And God was with him. We are promised in the last days that he will return to this country too. I know Jesus, when Matthew 17, when they asked him, why the scribes say Elias? Watch what he said. Elias truly must first come. Pack for in the future tense. But then he gives John as an example. John wasn't Malachi 4. John was Malachi 3. Behold, I send a messenger before me to prepare the way. 
Malachi 4, he said, Before the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come, when all the earth will be burning like a stubble. Before that day I'll send Elijah. And it wasn't John, because the Lord never burnt the earth when John came. And if you notice in the end, the last chapter, the last verse, he said, And he, watch, he talking, shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Now watch, the first John came, the first Elijah, what did he do? He came and brought a message and turned the old orthodox hard hearts to the faith of the young church, the children. But when the next Elijah comes, in the end time, he's to go back and take the, the father's hearts, the children's hearts rather, and turn them back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. See the difference? He'll not be one of these here so-called we have today. He'll go right back to Acts 2 and start right from there. He'll preach the unadulterated gospel. Just say the same things that Peter did on the day of Pentecost. Because what he said on Pentecost has vindicated the rest of scriptures through. You'll not twist around with some organization when Elijah comes. You'll hate women like Elijah did. Just like, or bad women, just like John did. You'll be a wilderness lover just like they were. You'll not spare. We're looking for him to come. He'll come. God said he will. And he'll be here. I believe if anything, the message that we got today will forerun that great coming of him. Yes, sir. He's on his road, already born, like Elijah was, and come busting out of the wilderness. Somewhere he'll make himself known. He'll preach Acts 2. He'll bring the faith of these old Pentecostal fathers right back to the uh, faith of these Pentecostal children, right back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. He'll go right back to Acts 2, Acts 2.38, all down through. He'll bring the real unadulterated gospel. He'll not have anything to do with Jezebel and her system. He'll be a servant of God. Sure will. The Bible said he would come. He'll prophesy and bust his message in the face of these Jezebels, just exactly like Elijah did in the beginning. The Israel, they'll hate him. They won't cooperate with him. No, no. He'll come. God promised it. And he'll rise on the scene. He'll, he'll preach to the elected church as he said he would. Shaking that elect, shaking that carnish off of it, the, the world and things, shaking it down, boiling it down, getting a church together of people. I know you say that's my denomination. Brother, you're wrong. John came as a one man system to introduce a one man, Jesus Christ. And the Elijah will not be a system, it'll be a man. Jesus said so. He'll be one man that's anointed of the Holy Ghost. And he won't introduce any three or four gods. He'll introduce one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his message will shake the Pentecostal children back to the faith of the fathers again. You remember, brother, I say these things to be nasty. I need to be at the altar. I'm telling you, thus saith the Lord. God hasn't vindicated. I've told you the truth around the nation, around the world. Then tell me where the mistake was. I'm telling you the truth. Get back to God quickly. 
Get out of these systems. Because the Bible said in the book of Revelations that the Roman Catholic hierarchy was a whore. And she was a mother of harlots. What is that church's system? And where did the Methodist church, where did the Lutheran church come from? Where did the Methodist, Baptist, where did all organizations come from? God never did organize a church. Catholic church said they began back there where Jesus organized the church. I want, I want the page in history or the page in the Bible. There never was an organization for 306 years. That's the death of the last apostle. Then they formed the Nicene Council and made an organization. And when Luther came out, he was a great man of God, but as soon as he left, that little group of people went over and formed another organization. Then the Holy Spirit went out on John Wesley. He never organized anything, but after he left, then they organized. Then the Holy Ghost came in the Pentecostals, and they went out from the Methodists, and what happened? Then they organized. But there will be a one-man system come forth with the power and the anointing of Elijah to fulfill them. shake it. And remember, he prophesied to him and prophesied and told him all the things and God worked with him, but his final message was attacked on the White House. When John came, his final message was attacked on the White House of that day. Elijah's final message, when he walked down that road that morning, after being in the presence of God out there, walked down that road with an old hair all over him, his bald head shining, the whiskers blowing, and the low eyes is gleaming with the glory of God. That stick in his hand, his feet just as steady as they could be. What's he doing? Walking right down from Samaria into the presence of the White House and saying, Thus saith the Lord. Fearing nothing. The churches have turned him down. The people have turned him down. So now he's given his final attack upon the White House. Then what happened? After that, listen. After that attack, his voice became quiet. Nobody heard him no more. God called him off the scene. But Elijah... You've done a major message known to all of Israel. They know it. I come up here in the wilderness. Get away from them. Separate yourself because I'm going to do something. I'm going to show them what it is to turn my message down. What's that in? War, famine, starvation. Thus saith the Holy Spirit. Watch what's coming. Watch what's going to follow. That was a famine. There will be a famine. Oh, maybe not for bread, but for hearing the word of God and his truth. All the churches will socialize and go right on into it. It's the same as like they've already been swallowed up with it. What did Elijah do? He found the hidden spring way up in the mountain where he got some water of life. Divine revelations from God is set up there under the power of God. The revelations being a little hidden spring while the rest of them was famishing. God bless his servants, them ravens. They brought him something to eat. While he was isolated from the people and they were down there famishing for a revival and all going on, 
Oh, you're no more of his revivals then. Where is that old crank he goes around blasting our organization? Where's he at now? They didn't know. He pulled himself a God out into an isolated place where they didn't hear his voice. Then they begin to see when God sends forth a message and tells the people and they don't receive it, then he withdraws his servant and sends his plagues. Famine. Death, spiritually speaking, physically also. You watch for a depression, brother. You think you've seen something, you just wait after a while. You haven't seen nothing. You think you were dying for a good spiritual revival. You wait till after a bit. You just wait. Long cry to hear the word of God. The Bible said so. There will be a famine in the last days, said the prophet. Not for bread and water alone, but for hearing the true word of God. But that voice will be quiet in the wilderness somewhere. Get away. He ordained the ravens, his servants. Bless them birds. His servants that kept the voice of, of Elijah alive during the time of his isolation from the church. The ravens brought him flesh and bread at morning and flesh and bread in the evening and he drank from the little fountain while the rest of them down there were doing without any spiritual food and water. Then one day, after sin had took its toll and God brought his people to their knees, Jezebel took everything. She wiped it all up. And she'll do it again. That's thus saith God's holy Bible. She'll do it again. She's right on the throne now behind the figurehead. Twist it any way she wants to. Nobody's going to stop her. Certainly. Nobody's going to stop it now because what they couldn't get in the religious circles, they cut, cut it all into politics and there they done it. Exactly what they've done. Which a political will be a boycott just exactly back to the mark of the beast as sure as I'm standing here. As the Bible said. I know we're getting late. I'll hurry. I got to get this last word in if the Lord will let me. Watch. Elijah stayed up there until God moved him. He had no revivals. He preached out against nothing. He just stood up there with God alone out in the wilderness. Because he's a wilderness man. He's raised in the wilderness. So were John. Raised in the wilderness. He went out in the wilderness alone with God. Tuck away from the church after he gave his message. And the church turned it down, turned it down in front of the organization. Wouldn't do nothing, so he just had to move out. God called him off the scene. Tuck him on out in the wilderness. Said, come on out here. They won't listen anymore. Come on, and I'm going to throw my judgment up on them. Oh, yes. You'll be here one of these days. You watch then after the days of his prophecy, what happened? The church languished. The great care of Jezebel. She took them all in herself. Gobbled them all up. Took them in herself and built groves and everything else. But one day, God called him out again. Here he come out. Listen close now and don't get angry with me. I'm saying, thus saith the Lord. When he come out, what did God do? He sent him to a widow woman. She once had a, a man power over her head, but it took death to set her free so she could believe the prophet's word. You notice that? She had a husband that guided her to this way and that way in one of the schools down there. But during this great drought, he'd been galloped up. Death had took him. 
She was no more hooked than any organization. So she's ready now to hear the word of the Lord. A woman, meaning the church, a widow, that her husband organization had died, and she just barely thinks she's living herself. God said, go down to her now. She'll hear you. I've commanded her. Oh, we think sometimes you little that is so faithful and do everything you can to have a meeting to try to show to the people that your heart's right and you want them to get right. You think you're having a hard time. But remember, God's got his eye on you. You love him. I know you love him. You wouldn't sit here. You wouldn't tend to any such a thing. God's got his eye on you. Yes. And when he did, her husband had died. Her organization died. So now she's ready to hear the prophet's word. So when the prophet come to the gate and asked her for a little water, she went to get it. And then he said, bring me a morsel of meal. And she turned and said, as the Lord lives, I don't have nothing but just enough. Now it looked like that he was sent to take what little she had. But it was vice versa. When she was willing to give what she had to support the word, God fed her. And if you're willing to give what spirits you do have... What spirit that God's give you to support the word, then God will keep you alive. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Do you see it, church? Don't think I'm beside myself. I'm not. But what you have, God. What little you do believe in God. What faith you have, God. Place it on the word. keep you alive. She was ready then because she couldn't before because it wouldn't let her. But now she's ready. Will she receive it? God sent a prophet her way. Will she receive his word? Will she receive this prophet? Yes, she did. And he told her, said, now what little life you have, God, place it here and bring it to me first. And what happened? When the rest of the world was languishing and dying in hunger, her and her children and her household all eat three good meals a day. Divine revelation on the word. I hope you see it, friend. What went on? He stayed there until the famine was over. Living with this woman, this church, that received him and believed his word. And he kept her alive. Kept the church alive by the word of the Lord because he said, Thus saith the Lord. Let's have the musicians come. How many appreciate the voice of God? Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Friends, did you ever think where you would be without this message? You might be in some church, you might be hearing something, but when the whole thing, remember, the mother had daughters. The whole system was putrefied before God. But oh, thank God. That husband is dead. That spiritual husband, to what? To be married to the Word. Let's stand together. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bruise?
rock of ages cleft for me Oh my loving brother When the world's on fire Don't you want God's bosom To be your pillow Oh hide me Let's sing it one more time. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me over in the rock of ages, rock of Some of the very things that were spoken. Now this is almost 55 plus years ago. But we're seeing it come to pass. I'm so grateful. Nations are breaking. Israel's awakening. The day of redemption is drawing nigh. We're seeing it happen. I think we ought to be you know, there's two sides to this whole thing. And I, I'll touch on it, the Lord willing. But the prophet would say, our being in here right now, us keeping alive the prophetic voice, a woman keeping alive the prophet, but it's setting the nation for judgment. And while that's happening, we're being fed. We're feasting. There's a famine. And we've got food unparalleled that they've desired for ages. Friends, that the devil sometimes tries to rob us. And we have something else besides a tape. We have something else. I say, oh God, this feeds my soul. It's keeping me alive. Nations are breaking. Nations are breaking. Israel's awakening. The signs that the prophets foretold. The Gentile days numbered with horrors encumbered. Eternity soon will unfold. The day of redemption is here. Man's hearts are failing for fear. Filled with the Spirit, your lamps trimmed and clean. Look up, your redemption is near. Heaven's powers are shaking, and many are mistaking God's meanings to be of the sky. God's church is the power that's shaking this hour. The day of redemption is nigh. The day of redemption is here. Man's heart.
hearts are failing for fear. Be filled with the Spirit, your lamps trimmed and clear. Look up, your redemption is here. We're going to close the service. Brother Harold, are you up to coming up this way, or do you want me to bring this your way? enjoyed the service this evening. We're living in a time of when all the scripture is being fulfilled and the church of God is, is the power that's taking this hour. So God's got us under his protection. No matter what happens in the world, you will not go with it. You're, you're foreordained to be in that rapture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. May the Holy Spirit continue to make it real to us. We know that we are called to a separate life. That no matter what happens in America, it's going to be the fulfillment of Scripture. You're, you're in charge of the whole thing. We just ask that we will be led by not by your spirit and that the Holy Spirit will overshadow us as a church. May the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit be with us in a special way. We love you, Lord, and Amen. we love your people. We ask that you'll each bless each one that's come out tonight. May the Holy Spirit just lead and guide and direct. Father, we love you and we commit this, what we've heard, into your hand. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let's sing verse four yet. False prophets are lying, God's truth they're denying, that Jesus the Christ is our God. Through this generation, spurns God's revelation, we'll walk where the apostles have trod. The day of redemption is here. Man's hearts are failing for fear. Be filled with the Spirit, your lamp trimmed and clear. Look up, your redemption is here. spoke a lot about the United States. Brother Branham spoke of the United States. And we say, well, that's the U.S., we're Canada. But he said, we're also twins because we were founded on freedom. We've also sold out our birthrights. I, I, I don't know if I could parallel it, but many, many years ago, our current prime minister had a father who set in motion many laws that you see today. Abortion, all those things were set in motion. We're twins. 
the whole world has come to a place. I'm so, gl I'm so glad that we've got Christ. He's everything. He's, he's our safety. He's our protection. Let's just sing one more song and we'll be dismissed. Keep your mind stayed on me. Keep your mind stayed on me. Stayed on me. Just keep